The Lord be with you, everyone. And we're back again now that we have air conditioning. The reason it took so long, we had a new motor put in. But once it was put in, they found it was defective and we had to start all over again. But we're back. And so I want to uh, talk for one more session concerning this word, blessed are the pure in heart. I know by this time it seems we've been there forever, but I, I can't resist sharing this with you. And so it's Psalm 105, and in verse 17, it's speaking of the history of the uh, family of Abraham became Israel, and it's going over it, but the interesting thing is that as you read some of this in the Psalms, you get insights into the stories that are not found in Genesis. And so this is the story of Joseph. And I would imagine that many of you have some familiarity at least with this man. But let us read this in verse 17. He, that is the Lord, sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Then it, it speaks of what happened to him when he was sold as a slave. It says, They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. And there in verse 18, where it says, He himself was laid in irons. Um, the word himself would be better understood either as his core self, or uh, one of more, the older translations says his soul was laid in irons. And, and I like that translation because this one can be glossed over. He himself was laid in irons. No, the, the word is speaking of his deepest self, his core being. He was laid in irons until the time that the word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Now, what, what has that got to do with what we're talking about. Well, that word test, the word of the Lord tested him. Um, I find it fascinating that that word in the Hebrew language that this psalm was written in means to purify. And remember, we are trying to shed light upon Jesus' words. Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, this word tested here, means, one of its first meanings is to purify. It means to bring something back to the original single. That is, nothing's been added to it. It is the original. It is the single. No additives. Purified. And therefore, that grabbed my heart here is something happening to Joseph, and it tells me that what was happening was actually a purification, a bringing him back to single vision with no additives. How did that take place in the life of Joseph? Well, I, I said that I think most of you know at least the broad outlines of the story. But let me very quickly just make sure we know who we're talking about. Joseph was the son of Jacob. And Jacob, of course, his name was changed to Israel, and that's where the name Israel came from. So it's a very important family. And Joseph was then the great-grandson of Abraham. And that's giving you some idea of what's going on in the family. His grandfather was Isaac, and now his father Jacob slash Israel. This is, this is Joseph. He, he was the youngest of a large family. 
I, I say youngest, he was very much the youngest. All his brothers were much older than him, but he was the favorite son. He was the one that Joseph had really been waiting for, and he, well, he he loaded the kid. I mean, <laughs> spoiled? That's what comes through loud and clear, because Joseph was doted on by his father. Um, and of course, uh, right from the beginning, you begin to realize that um, his older brothers deeply resent him. But but Joseph, because of that removal from his brothers and because of the attention paid to him by his father Jacob, it would appear, and I am reading this into it, but if you read it as many times as I have, I believe you'll come up with the same conclusion, that this boy is not running with his older brothers. He's too young but he's the object of belovedness by his father, who would share with him the the secrets of the family. Uh, the other brothers, they, they were, well, let's just say most of those brothers, which became the 12 patriarchs of Israel, the 12 tribes, but I personally would not like to meet them in a dark alley on a lonely night. Um, they don't appear to have interest in these things. But, but Joseph sits with his father and, and listens to the stories of God speaking to Abraham, his great-grandfather, and, and passing it on to Isaac, and, and to hear of Isaac uh, being offered on the mount to God and in the last moment stopped and the word of the Lord concerning covenant, and and it was shared with him. We're, we're, we're an unusual family. We carry with us the word of God, which is his covenant with us. What's covenant? It is that dynamic. I put that word there because it's not just something one studies like an attorney to say that, well, we're in covenant with God. No, covenant means a dynamic union and is now union. Something's happening in this family because we are in this covenant union with the living God. The, the covenant meant that there was a binding together where two parties function, in fact, as one. And so here you have the family of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and they are bound in this dynamic covenant with the living God. God has made himself known in a world of darkness where there was no knowledge of who God really was. To this family, God makes himself known. He communicated himself to them. He cared for them, and he showed his care, covenant. This is um, the, the very food that Joseph was raised on. This is who we are. God is with us. God is for us. And with every covenant came the blessing, which again is a very ancient word. But let me give you a quick definition of it. Um, the covenant blessing meant that you are active now in empowerment to success. That would be a dictionary definition of the word in ancient language. That it, blessing means you have been in this now moment empowered to success. And that success is not merely making a lot of cash. In fact, that's the last of the list. No, this means you have the wisdom of God communicated to you, the insight of God in all your decisions. It means that you are at your core self and in your mind and emotions, even to your body, you are strengthened, empowered, you see. You have ability in, in your core heart to walk in the ways of God. 
which would reach all the way through to your relationships and especially to the work that you did, so that your, your daily work has the fingerprints of God upon it because you are blessed, enabled, you are granted wisdom to do this work as an act of worship to God. The, the blessing brought this active reality that God is now with you and he's with you in all of life. Joseph could wake up every morning and recognize that is true for this day. So, this was the word of God to the family. And as I say, most of the family gave little thought to it. They were aware of it, aware of it to say that it was the foundation of the family, but it was Joseph that got a grasp of it. It got hold of his heart, and he lived his life accordingly. I say it again, it was the word of God to the family. It was that then living, active presence of God in the midst of the family. For again, the word of God is not some textbook on life. It is the word of the living God who is active and present inside his word to do it. And so that living word of God was active toward every family member, but it was Joseph that understood it. He knew the personal presence of God. He knew he was part of that incredible covenant that God had made, and he expected and lived in that blessing from a very early age. This is spoken of, I mean, this reality of the Word of God within the midst. It's spoken of in Deuteronomy 8.3. In fact, I'm sure you, you know the verse where it says that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything <clears throat> that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. That is, <laughs> do you remember Jesus one time said, I have meat to eat that you know not of? They'd gone off to, to buy, you know, hamburgers for lunch. And when they got back and presented him the food, he said, I'm stuffed, I, I'm full. I, what, did somebody bring you to eat? No, he said, I, I have food to eat that really, it's a mystery to you guys. You, you wouldn't understand it. This is it. He says, man doesn't live by bread alone. You say, well, well, how ridiculous. We who are made in the image of God, do we think that food merely feeds the atomic structure of our body? We need food for our core self, our spirit. We need God's own food for the way we look at life and think about life, our mind, our imagination. Well, Joseph had that. Young kid, <clears throat> very young, because he's had this fed to him as he's coming up through his earliest years. And then his father <clears throat> did something that well, it's up for discussion what, whether it was a good or bad thing. But he gave to his son Joseph what in most of our Bibles is translated as a coat of many colors, and maybe it was. But the, the meaning of that is a long-sleeved coat. It was a coat usually reserved for the firstborn, Joseph was anything but the firstborn. He was the lastborn. Uh, but this long-sleeved coat with, with tassels to it, uh, and, and maybe multicolored, but, but I say again, it was the emphasis on the long-sleeved coat. Because, you see, a person with long sleeves, they would come down over your top of your fingers. It meant it was very symbolic that this person is above manual labor. You see, if you're a laborer, if you're doing manual work, you didn't have sleeves. But once you had sleeves, it meant you, you, you're no longer associated with manual work. It, it means you're going to do the book work. So that tells me that Joseph could read and write 
Uh, as a teenager, he became the ranch manager. That didn't sit well with his brothers, believe me, especially when he had to report to his father that they weren't doing what they said they were doing. No, no good. And then during this whole period, he had the dreams, dreams, vivid dreams that obviously were more than dreams. They were the word of the Lord. And do you remember, you know, they were under pictures of the sun and the moon and the stars and then the other one about the harvest time. But all of them pictured the whole family, father, mother, and all his brothers bowing down to him. And I can understand the brothers. Their resentment is growing by the hour. And here's this pipsqueak of a baby brother who comes down to breakfast and say, you should hear what God said to me in the night, you know. Of course, they got upset with him, especially when, when he was telling them plainly, the day will come when you'll bow down to me. Even his father had to say, now, cool it, boy, cool it. This is getting a bit much. Well, the day came, of course, when he was going to investigate his brothers, see how they were doing. And on the, the vast plains, they saw him coming, saw that coat that they hated so much, flowing around his feet and flapping around his hands, telling everybody that this man's a boss man. And so they talked around the campfire. As I said, I, I, I wouldn't like to meet them on a dark night. They're fingering their knives. You know how it is. Uh, um, in, in the world of the 20th and 21st century, these would be frontier cowboys. They would have six shooters on their belt. You know, the guys, they haven't shaved in days, probably haven't bathed in days. They're, they're looking after the great flocks of sheep that belong to Jacob. And no, he's coming now to find out what we're doing, this favorite son. And, and it didn't take too long for consensus to be, let's kill the kid. We've had it. And we'll, we'll take that wretched coat and we'll rip it and we'll dip it in goat's blood and show the dad what the kid's dead. And so it was. Reuben, he was the real firstborn, but he, he, he tried to stop them. No, no, he said, let, let, let's, just, let, let's just capture him, put him in a pit. That's kind of weak. What are you going to do then? But anyway, they, they agreed, okay, we won't kill him put him in the pit. And as they're talking over the hill, there comes a caravan. You know what I mean. There's, there's camels one after another and associate donkeys alongside, and they're all loaded with goods. The, these are traders on their way down. And if you get an ancient map, you'll see they're on the road down by the side of the Mediterranean to Egypt. And it becomes obvious that they are uh, Ishmaelites and Midianites. Not too nice. There were not too many nice people around in those days. And, and so it would appear that Reuben exited quickly to guard the sheep against these characters that could easily steal some. And, and so it left the brothers, left the brothers now. They, they've captured Joseph. Oh, can you imagine when your own brothers fall on you and, 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 I mean, beat you up, smash your face, kick your ribs, take off your coat and clothes and throw you into an old well? Huh. And, and Joseph can hear them talking about how they're going to convince his dad that he's dead. By, by blood of goats on the coat. And, and then the talk of the Ishmaelites. Reuben's gone. No one's here to stand up for Joseph. And before he knows it, they're hauling him out of the pit. And there stand the Ishmaelites and the Midianites. Again, rough characters. And they're, they're putting... Well, we would call them handcuffs. They were shackles on his hands, shackles on his feet. 
They truss him like a Thanksgiving turkey, and they put him into a cage. It would be a very small cage. They would have to shove him in and shut the door, made of wicker, and he's on the side of a camel now, squashed up, and the fetters on his hands and feet. And he's looking out through the bars as he's now going down the road. His brothers not only beat him up, they've now sold him to slave traders on their way to Egypt. And that, that's what this text in, in Psalm is saying, that the iron, it wasn't merely on his hands. The shackles were not merely around his feet. It said it entered into his soul he felt the, the depth of pain as that cage banged against the camel with every march of its feet. And down, he knows where they're going, down to Egypt. Physical pain for sure, but his core self knows pain. The pain, I mean, don't read these stories too quickly. The pain of being betrayed by his brothers can I imagine this? These were the first and only faces I've seen since I was born. And they, they've done this to me. They've betrayed me, kidnapped. And, and they're telling Dad that I'm dead. And they're taking that coat and it's in with blood. And add to that the terror of what is going to happen. I mean, he's never been outside of his little world, but he's heard the stories of Egypt. It's not a nice place. The inner pain of loneliness. He was 17 at this time. We know that. 17 years old. And he's thrust out of his family, thrust out of his world in a wicker basket, with iron chains on his wrists and feet to be sold as a slave. To even think in terms of where will I be tonight? Where, where, what's going to happen? And when, when they take him out of the basket and they throw him onto the platform, well, there'll be an auction and he will be sold like a piece of meat. He's a 17-year-old boy in a totally new and cruel situation. The world of Egyptian slavery. Okay, that's the story. <clears throat> but let me put it like this, that Satan, and by the way, the word Satan is an untranslated word. If you translate it, it means the accuser. It means the divider. Well, it's actually the devil. That's another untranslated word, which means the divider, the separator. I think we understand things a lot better if we translated it. Satan brings up all silly ideas of tails and horns and pitchforks and utter rubbish. But translated, yeah, the accuser? that He's called the accuser because that's his M.O. That's how he works. It's always worked that way, accusation. And in the accusations are lies because as another name he has, the liar... He, he asks questions. He, ne he never comes on, you see, as that monster that mythology is depicting him as. He comes on with, with uh, you know, I, I feel concerned for you. I'd like to ask a few questions just to get the conversation going, you understand? Just a few questions. And he plants thoughts in our head. And we don't realize they're his thoughts, He's woven them into the flow of our thoughts, and an inner debate goes on. You know, afterward, we was I said to myself, that's a daft question. How could you? I said to myself, well, which self was talking to which self? You know, it's an inner debate with these questions that have been dropped into our minds by the accuser. You've heard them. That's one thing with the accuser. He doesn't come up with anything new. Here's a, you know, I can hear it now coming to Joseph. If, if you, if you're the son of, he didn't say you're not, but he says, if you're a son of covenant. 
and, and, and then that snicker. If you're the son of covenant, it doesn't look like it, does it? I, I suppose you better get used to your new identity, boy. You're a slave now. Get used to it. Can you can you imagine that question hanging like lead in his head? And then the question, has God forsaken you? I mean, really, come on. Stop living in denial. Look at you. If you have a destiny, if those dreams that you had had any import, if all that stuff you learned at Jacob's knee, if you are a child of destiny, well, God had better show up and get you out of here, right? And then, of course, if God loves you, if he cares for you, why does he allow this? I I think that question has been put to every human being on the planet. It comes straight out of the accuser's mouth, accusing God and trying to make a fool of you. If God loves you, that little if, if God loves you, if he cares for you, why? Oh, but you see, there's no answer to why. You never ask that of God. Never. You, you ask, what is God doing? Or, who are you to me right now? You get answers to that. The Holy Spirit will give you. But, but never why. That's, that's uh, uh, Why belongs to the accuser who wants to bring you to despair. And then, of course... You don't look blessed, you know, Joseph. Have you looked in the mirror recently? You you really believe all that stuff that your grandfather taught you? Have you seen yourself recently? You're naked, boy. You're dirty. Look, you're bruised black and blue where they kicked you. You've been whipped. You've been kicked. You've lost your coat, haven't you? Don't get any respect now. Look at your hands, they're dirty. Where's the respect and honor, son of destiny, son of covenant? No one thinks you're special here. (laughs) No one here's going to listen to your dreams. You'll never be heard of again. You see... Am I communicating that these same questions that would have to have come to Jude? That's where it says the iron entered into his soul, contradicting every part of God's word. That's what the accuser does. He pollutes. See, that's pure is the unpolluted. Well, the accuser's aim is to pollute, to bring in something else. So God has sworn to you in his word that you belong to him. And the accuser says, if that's the case, have you ever considered the possibility it isn't the case? You see, if that was the case, why does God... See, and and he, he's giving an alternative vision of life. But there is no alternative. You you don't look at all different... This isn't some smorgasbord by which you decide, well, I think I'll take God. He looks good today. No, there's only one truth. There's only one way. Satan always says there's an alternate. You could go this. And he gives us what the New Testament calls double vision. I'm double-minded. And I begin to oscillate between the two. I look at my circumstances and I say, is this God? Or maybe it's the devil. Maybe the devil's got this thing wrapped up. Am I being blessed? Oh, maybe God has forsaken me and I'm cursed. Backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Does God love me? It's it's like the little girl pulling the petals off daisies saying, he loves me, he loves me not. Uh, You know, it depends what's happening to me as to whether I think it's God or, or no, this is the devil. 
The, the, the devil's won. Look at the darkness. It's all over. Look what they're saying. Look what they've done. I have no future. Backwards and forwards. That's what Satan wants, you see. that He's got you double-minded so you can't see straight. But, you see, when God speaks, when God gives his word, there is no more debate. I do not judge God's word by happenings. We do not judge God's truth by how we feel about life today. What your next-door neighbor said to you does not affect God's word. And all the yakety-yak gossip and rumors of the water fountain does not dilute the truth of God's word. Though it's all coming at us from the liar, the accuser, saying, consider this, consider this. You know they've got a point. You should think about it. No. God has spoken. He's revealed himself in his word. And therefore we live not by circumstances and our feelings about life, but by what God has said. The Word of God. It's not a document. It's not a book of formulas. It's not a textbook on the how-to of life. The Word of God is the pulsating presence of God with us. It's not a document. It's a living person who unites with us in the circumstance in which we find ourselves. Faith, you see, is my response to that word. Let, let me say this quickly, that faith must never be understood as currency. You know what I mean? I, I, if you've listened to some of what I've listened to, you, you will know that many believe that it's a currency with which you buy God's blessings, you see. Or, or if you have enough of it, you can make God do something that he wasn't going to do. But you, you got enough faith and you bought him out. No, faith is not a currency. God doesn't reveal his word to us and then say you can have it if you have enough faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is trusting that what God reveals to us in his word, what God says to us in his word, he has given to us. Faith doesn't make something happen. Faith sees that God has done it. Faith sees that God has given it. Faith sees that this that we're speaking of is. Faith is the eye that sees. And the Bible then speaks of your eye being open so you can see clearly. And you, you see the truth of what is, and you respond to that reality. And that response is the faith in action. And interestingly, whenever God gives a gift, he also gives the faith to receive it, you see. Um, Joseph had received the word of God at his father's knee, um, and now he continues to steadfastly look at that word. And therefore, he answered the questions that washed up against him, like waves in a hurricane hitting the shore. Those same hurricane waves that have hit you, Joseph answered with intentional rest in God's word and telling himself, Letting the word of God speak to him is true identity of a man in covenant with God, blessed of God, and thus stood resolutely against all the feelings and the inner pain that the liar, the accuser, would seek to make it appear as real so that he would have a sense of separation from God. Of course, he'd believed that all the way through his childhood. But 
in these circumstances it's been established. Have you had that experience? There's something you've always believed, but then you come to a situation and now you have to believe what you've always believed, but with an intentional stamp of the foot and say, this I believe, this is where I stand. And in so doing, you become established in that. In fact, there's a union with that. It becomes your life at a very high level. Or to use these words we read in the psalm, the word of God has purified him. That is, the word of God has now established him with a single vision of truth in the midst of the lies. He refuses to, to look at what he sees of himself in the mirror and say, that's the final truth. No, it isn't. God and his word is the final truth. And therein I stand, whatever I look like. And when he looked at himself as a slave and when he felt the whip across his back, that is not the final truth. I am a child of God in covenant. I am a child of blessing and I'm a child of God's destiny. He was established, rooted in the awareness of the presence of God in this moment. I, I think maybe this generation has been brainwashed into avoiding the present moment. I suppose all generations have too. But it, it's, it's really, wherever we turn, I, I find people that deny the present moment. They don't know what the present moment is, let alone live there. Have you noticed we're always looking for fulfillment in the future sometimes? See? It's, it's, it's not here yet. <laughs> well, if it isn't here, what, whatever, this blessing, if it isn't here yet, then what is here? You see, and that's why you see people live um, w without any awareness of the present moment because as far as they're concerned, nothing's going on here. Nothing's going on here. It's, we're, we're, we're waiting for that, you see. Going to some churches or fellowship of, you know, they're, they're waiting for revival. They're waiting for revival. Well, they've been waiting for years. So they're... they're uh, Taking the situation in means that presently we're dead because that's the opposite of revival. And, and so nothing's going on right now. We don't know God. We're separate, but we're waiting one of these days, one of these days, one of these days. The Bible knows nothing. In fact, the Bible only lives in the present moment. Have you ever taken your children on a long car trip um, and, and through some beautiful parts of the country as you're driving, the, the children are not even looking out of the window. They're not taking in what they may never see again. They're not, they're not aware of the beauty. They're, they're wriggling in their scene and say, are we there yet? I, I, I've seen that with so many believers they're in the midst of the glory of God. He's pressing his blessing upon them. You're undergirded in his covenant. And you said there, are we there yet? Is it revival yet? Look, understand that our God is in this present moment, this present moment. Joseph is going to spend the next nearly 20 years, 15 to 20 years, in slavery in Egypt. But as you read his story there at the end of Genesis, it is obvious, I'm not reading anything into it, it is obvious that he embraced every moment, every now is moment, that it had meaning for him, that his covenant God was meeting him in that moment. And in that moment, there was all the blessing and all the wonder of his covenant union with God. It was in, in that moment. If anybody had a right 
to sit down and say, if only this hadn't have happened, if only my brothers were, and how long am I going to be here? You realize that if Joseph had done that, we never would have heard of him. He would have just sunk down into the vast slave culture of Egypt, never to be remembered again. But here is a person, and it says the word of God purified him. That is, gave him single vision. That he saw that God was with him, whatever was happening, whatever his feelings were. It's now, whatever the situation. And therefore, this moment is to be embraced, and this moment is to become the means of putting flesh and bone and material upon the blessing of God. He expected the word of the Lord to come to pass, but he said the timing of that, I I don't even know what it means that my parents and brothers will bow down before me. I have no idea what that means. Uh, Or when, when? So that's in God's hands. I'm just left with this present moment in which to, what, fulfill the covenant blessing of the one that gave me his word. So he didn't whine and complain. Boy, I said that quickly, didn't I? There's 20 years, 20 years of this kind of pressure, and he didn't complain, but rather was consumed with whatever was in front of him to do, to in the doing of that reveal the glory of God the wisdom of God, the strength of God. And nor did he sit and wait passively for something in the future. Because both of those possibilities, he would reject the present moment and pollute his life with all the negative. He celebrated and knew the God of all futures in this present moment. He received the blessing of the covenant for this moment, for himself and for all those that he found on the journey with him. And that's interesting. You see, grace, blessing, is given in the day of need. There is no storehouse in life in which you keep a supply of blessing and grace. It is only given in the moment of need. It is placed into our hands as we go to face the need. That's that's why I say it's not something up ahead. We're not waiting for this. But in this moment, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what it looks like, in this moment, the grace is given. The blessing is here. I am empowered by the Spirit to do and deal with this moment. I say it's very hard for you to even understand what I'm talking about if you're one of those people that live by the mantra of, thank God it's Friday. I'm not joking, that the person that starts out their work week saying, I can't wait for the weekend, and finally you make it to Friday, thank God it's Friday. It means that your week has been meaningless. You've got up on Tuesday only to make it till Wednesday, because Wednesday will take you to Thursday, which means I'll get to Friday. So you only live to get through where you were to get to something else. That means that you didn't live for a week. You existed. Now, what I'm looking at here is a man who is looking at the most horrendous, the cruelest, the darkest days that a human being can face. And he put his hands into the darkness and says, right here, I celebrate the God of covenant who cannot lie. I celebrate the blessing of God upon me and those that are around me. So he never spoke as a victim. He's never whining of, why did you let this happen, God? Where are you? 
because the only response to that, he would hear the Lord saying, I'm right here, I'm experiencing this with you, and I am your strength and your blessing to go through. So he was a man that didn't live on the fragile thread of people and circumstances dictating his joy or sense of God. You know, did you hear what I just said? The fragile thread. That your joy hangs on the thread of somebody who's smiling at you. And if they frown, then you fall to pieces. Wow, you've got a fragile life. Instead of being anchored in the unchanging God who continually speaks in your heart that I am with you and I'm carrying you in this moment to experience my blessing. So people could never give Joseph a mere passing sensory experience of sadness or happiness. It was the word of the Lord. Purchased by Potiphar. You've heard of that chap. Purchased by Potiphar. He was a lord of Egypt, high, close to the Pharaoh. And they would have many slaves. And so Joseph is living with slaves in an atmosphere. All the slaves. I mean, it's... It's natural. Leaving God out of the picture, it's natural. All of the slaves that he would meet in Potiphar's um, slave bunkhouse, they would be filled with deep resentment. They would despise Potiphar and and the life they now found themselves in. They, they, They were fueled by hatred. Their dreams were of revenge. It's a sort of almost living as an empty robot. And here stands this one man, looks like all the others, I mean a slave. He stood into the word of God, choosing to be aware, present to the God who was present to him, and expecting in every day to have tangible expression of the blessing of God with him. He is blessed. Everything I said a moment ago about blessing, he experienced it. But his blessing reached out through his hands, through his words. And so whatever task he was doing, I say he left the fingerprints of God. It was done in a way that, yes, he was doing that as an act of thanks to God. And so he wasn't cutting corners. He wasn't doing a shoddy job just to get back at Potiphar. He was doing it, giving thanks to God and letting the blessing of God flow into what he was doing. The result was that the blessing reached into all of Potiphar's possessions. Potiphar took notice. But, but just a minute, Potiphar was a heathen supreme. I mean, he worshipped, I don't know how many gods, um, part of the whole Egyptian pantheon. And I, I mean, I can now hear the same accuser's voice. You're going to work so that Potiphar is blessed? He, he bought you as a slave. You're going to waste the blessing of God on this wretched heathen? You, you, you know what I mean. You're really going to work in such a fashion that your employer is blessed just because you're there? What a waste. He doesn't deserve it. What, what has Potiphar done to deserve that? He's hurt you. He's degraded you. He stole your honor. He stole your glory. He's stolen your future and your happiness. He treats you like an animal. It's time for revenge, man, not blessing. I mean, pretend to work. Get away with doing as little as possible. And if his business fails, good. That was the mood in the bunkhouse. Huh. 
You, you feel lonely, don't you? You feel abandoned by family and everyone. You're feeling sad. Look, what, what they're saying in the bunkhouse, that's appropriate, isn't it? He, you, you're, you're in this miserable situation. It's not a time to be joyful and hopeful and talk about blessing. Follow your instincts, Joseph. Be angry. Be bitter. That's it. Fuel with anger, revenge. That will give you meaning. You'll, you'll find you stay alive because anger, rage will be fuel. The idea of blessing people is ridiculous. Not in these circumstances. Let Potiphar fail and go to hell. I mean, come on, you don't go around blessing the man so he prospers. Huh. Joseph didn't respond to the circumstance, nor did he respond to any people that told him he was an oddball. He responded consistently to the word of God and refused to let all the other accusations and lies and suggestions bring devastation to his spirit. He lived in blessing, and he intended to put that blessing on everything he did and to bless the man that had purchased him as a slave. In... There in Genesis, read the whole story, you'll find it there. It says, and Joseph was a prosperous man. Another translation is, Joseph was a successful man. And one translation that comes to us from, I think, around, I don't know, 1400. But but it says, Joseph was a lucky fellow. Come on! I'll leave the lucky fellow bit out, but success? Joseph was prosperous? He's a slave. He, he's, he's below the lowest rung of the ladder. Yes, but this man is prosperous for he is free from being a victim. He's free from resentment. He's free from rage and anger, revenge. He lives in the consciousness of the presence of the God who loves him, who unites with him, and he lives to pass that on in everything he touches and does. That is prosperity. For there's many a person that has much cash, but they long for peace, and they scream inside of them for joy that always seems to elude them. It's no wonder that Joseph quickly became the slave appointed to oversee everything else. And then, of course, well, there was Potiphar's wife, but that's another story that only fits in with what we've been saying. And um, it came to the end when he was in jail because Potiphar's wife framed him and he was thrown into jail, throw away the key. And and in jail, come on, I mean, we're back to square one. Where, Where did all the blessing go? Joseph doesn't question it. The blessing is here. The presence of God fills the jail. And I, whatever happens in this jail, I will do it, drawing upon the strength of God, the wisdom of God living in expectancy of God's covenant word and his blessing, single vision to the God who never fails. And then one of the fellow prisoners comes and says, I had a dream last night. Oh, come on, come on. I I feel like saying, Joseph, don't go there. I mean, what got you into this trouble in the first place? It was dreams that you reported. And look where your dreams got you. And now you're going to start with these. But he does. He said, dreams. I know the God who gives dreams. Tell them to me. And they told him dreams that they had. And he interpreted them. And one of them meant that the fellow was released from jail, and he was. And as he's being released, Joseph said, Look, it was my brothers who brought me here. Um, 
I'm innocent. When you get out of here, would you tell would you tell the Pharaoh that I don't deserve to be here? And of course, the fellow, so excited that his dream had brought him thus far, said, "Of course, I'll remember you. I'll remember you." But as soon as he got outside the jail, he promptly forgot Joseph. And I say that was an act of God, because if if he had gone to Pharaoh. At that point, and said, there's some kid in jail, and he's innocent, and he asked me to, uh, you know, Pharaoh said, oh, yeah, and that would have been the end of it. But instead, the Holy Spirit said to that man, forget Joseph. Because as time passed, Pharaoh had a dream, a disturbing dream. And he makes it known, in the morning I had a dream, and and no one can tell me what it means. And the Holy Spirit said to that man that had been in prison, remember Joseph. And suddenly he he went to Pharaoh. He said, I know a man that can interpret your dream. And by noon, Joseph had been bathed and shaved and braided in garments he hadn't seen in 20 years. And he's presented to the Pharaoh. And he interprets a dream, and the rest is history. He became the prime minister of the greatest nation on earth. And his brothers came asking for food and didn't realize it was Joseph, and they bowed to him. Oh, yes, it all came to pass. But of that I'm not concerned right now. I'm looking at Joseph, and if you followed me, that's what purity of heart means. And remember what it says, blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. That is, in the circumstances of life, you neither see the devil nor do you see the darkness. You see right through it that God is at work here. And in Genesis 50, when his brothers are cowering before him, terrified that the one they thought they'd done away with forever was now Lord of Egypt, and Joseph said, Genesis fifty nineteen. But Joseph said to them, "Do not be afraid. Listen to this man. These brothers have put this man through what he's been through for twenty years, and now Joseph says to them, Do not be afraid. For am I in God's place? And as for you, you meant evil against me. Oh yeah, he's not in denial. He says." That's what you intended. That was your plot, your plan. You meant evil against me. But, see, this is, this is how Joseph lived. He says, you meant evil. There's no other word for it. But I see through that. That's the pure of heart. I can see through it. Whatever you meant is beside the point. God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. And then he goes on and says, uh, and more than that, I will provide for you and for your little ones. So he comforted them. What am I reading here? What am I? The, the man who now, at, at a snap of the finger, could have these people beheaded, or, or he could have had them thrown into jail, or whatever, and no, there is no, no need. Joseph has spoken, and that's the end of it. Instead, he said, I know what you did, but I'm a see-thrower. I have purity of heart. I can see God. Not all this other stuff you're doing. It doesn't matter what you meant. God had a greater plan. I don't care what you did or what anyone did. I see God at work, so don't be afraid. I, I'm, I'm not here to punish you. In fact, I'm going to provide for you. I've got all the cash now, and, and, and you don't have to worry about starvation. I'll look after you. And then it says, he comforted them. Joseph comforted his brothers, and he spoke kindly to them. That's what the pure in heart does. Well, I... I just simply pray that as I've told the story from this perspective, you will realize everything we've said in the last webinars concerning the pure in heart and that the Holy Spirit will enable us 
to walk through life as see through. We don't look at life, we look through to see God and to recognize that's all there is. There's no alternative. He's working for and with and in us according to his covenant love. And his blessing is with us. And now may that blessing rest upon you. The blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That you may in these incoming days walk in the strength of God's blessing. Seeing through the events of life. And seeing that blessing overflowing in this present moment. So I bless you. It is the way it is.